So we'd like to welcome everybody to this weekend that we are spending here together. A weekend which will be having as a main thread through the weekend of both looking at ourselves, looking into ourselves, and looking into our relationship to the earth, to the world which you and I live in and have our being. And in this, which is the opening talk for the weekend, I would like to speak to you a little while about the something of the background to what gives form and shape to this weekend and also a little bit too with regard to the weekend itself and some of the activities which we will be engaged in here together as we explore into the nature of things. And I would like to begin by referring a little bit to the past, and in this case, to the somewhat distant past of some two and a half thousand years ago, where it is said at the time of the Buddha in India that a certain kind of shift of emphasis was placed in what we might describe as spirituality or the religious life. And that shift went from noticeable emphasis on beliefs, beliefs in a deity or particular deities, with the accompanying faith and surrender which was required, to one in which the emphasis shifted away from faith and belief important and as valuable as they are, to a way of being in the world in which the relationship to the world mattered and mattered significantly. And so the emphasis came to be one of awareness, ongoing mindfulness, and the exploration of a human being's relationship to herself, himself, to creatures, to the environment. And the thread of the teachings, as the time went by, with all the religion which came along with them, emphasized and re-emphasized this relationship of oneself to oneself, to others, to creatures, to the environment. And it is said in the old texts that about 2,000 years ago, there was one of the kings of India, a man named Ashoka, had an experience which seems to have influenced quite considerably his values and his perceptions to the degree that he changed his way of viewing 
people, creatures and environment and began to establish a way of values to the degree that not only people lived with a grounding of precepts and meaningful social values, but it is also, it is said, that he established as well numerous animal hospitals and along the roads and in the townships and the villages he planted thousands of trees. And this became, in Indian history, a kind of focal point, and still is, a kind of reference point for living in the world in which others and the environment and the nature matter as much as oneself. The world matters, the earth matters as much as oneself. And we might say at this particular time in the journey of the earth in which you and I are involved that we gain more and more access to information and to knowledge about what is happening to the face of our earth. And this information seems to be frequently quite distant from where we are. We have information which we'll speak about over the weekend of what is called the greenhouse effect. We have information about what is referred to as the hole in the ozone layer. We have information about the destruction of the tropical rainforests. I believe in Brazil it's something like six acres a second, the size of West Germany destroyed last year. We have information about acid rain and what that is doing. We have information about the threat of nuclear and conventional weapons, nuclear power. We have information about the widespread expansion of cancer throughout the world. This information sometimes for us seems relevant. Sometimes it seems very distant, particularly distant when self-interest at the expense of the world matters more. And so what I would say, just in very general terms, if, before coming to speak more about the weekend, is that there is quite a lot of exploration taking place, both here in the States and elsewhere, in which it seems to me that there is the need and an ongoing need for looking almost in fresh ways at who we are as human beings. And what I mean by that is, I think there has been historically, and even until recent years, a tendency to view spirituality, psychotherapy, working on oneself 
as somehow distinct and separate from the environment, separate from the earth. And it seems to me one of the re-evaluations which is taking place is we have to see how we can bring together our spiritual awarenesses, the exploration of consciousness, livelihood, what we are doing in the world, the way that we are using resources, the way that we think about animals, trees, flowers, earth, sky, air, heat, energy, and somehow or other we have to learn to see how we can bring all of this diversity together. so that we really begin to understand in our very cells of our being that the world, the earth, matters as much as one's self-interest. I think from my knowledge and from my experience and privilege of travelling and meeting and talking with people in different parts of the world that the issue is more serious than what we actually realise. I think the issue has barely touched us so far. I think the movement for liberation from suffering and concern for people and planet is barely touching consciousness. I think there is an enormous amount of work which you and I can do inwardly and outwardly for the welfare of our planet. And I think it's so, such a serious situation that each day begins to matter very, very much. Ten days ago, Henrietta and I were in India. We were working in Bihar. Bihar is 16 hours on the train from Delhi. We were in Budgaya, the place where the Buddha is said to have been awakened. In Bihar, it is regarded in India as the most violent, the most corrupt, the most inhospitable place in India, where poverty is sadly and tragically on this scorched earth of Bihar, in front of one's eyes and one's ears, day in and day out. In the morning time, I had the privilege of giving a talk to the children the children in the villages. In India, in the winter months, during the daytime, the temperature is in the 70s. At night, the temperature is probably in the 30s and 40s. The people who are fortunate welcome the winter months. Daytime temperature is very pleasant. Nighttime with warm blankets, and so forth, it's much more comfortable and easier for sleeping. But for the poor, for the desperately 
poor, of which there are millions, in, particularly in Bihar, the winter is a time of dread because they don't know whether they will survive the night. We happen to be in Bihar and one, in one of the its worst cold spells for many years. The children, from babies six, nine months old, being carried by their four and five-year-old brothers and sisters, to children 12 or 15 years of age, some of whom were married, would come to the temple just after eight o'clock each morning, and I would give them a short talk with a little story and, and so forth. And about that time, as they arrived, the sun would be rising on the plains in the far distant. And the children, barefooted, wearing very thin pieces of cotton around their body, would be standing there outside the temple, moving their bodies up and down, waiting for the sun to come up high enough to touch their skin, to come out of the coldness that they, those children had been experiencing. Each time I was talking to the children, as one can hear, we taped one of the talks, the children would be coughing. Some children have TB. Some children won't be there next year. The parents in Bihar have no have so little money that to, to actually survive they have to find money by walking for miles to get the wood or to get coal or whatever in order to produce the heat, in order to eat. One day last year a mother came and she said in Magadi, the local language to a friend of mine, my husband's dead, he's been murdered I'm 22 years old, I've got three or four children. She said, but we're absolutely poverty-stricken. She said, I have two choices. I either become a beggar in the village of, B of Bodhgaya, or I go into Gaya and work as a prostitute for three or four rupees a time. I think that information in this world, it's very important for us to hear. I think it's very important that somehow or other, when we say I and the world matters, that somehow or other it touches us so that in acknowledging our fortunate place, in acknowledging our privileges and the benefits that we have, that hopefully it can touch us in a way that it brings out of us a response which actually shows that the world matters as much as oneself. That it's not just in the realms of nice, high, noble thinking, that somehow it gets actualized in this world. And as I say, I think, I understand that that's, we're just at the beginnings of that. And so perhaps these weekends and many other situations which are taking place might provide us with so hopefully some kind of catalyst in our, in our life that 
we can show by communication, by our way of living, by our values, by what we talk about, by what we think about, by our, what we write about, by our involvement, by our commitments, that somehow or other we recognise that in our relationship to the world, the earth matters, the air matters, the energy matters, the light matters, the flowers and the trees and all that makes up the beauty of life. And perhaps if we can do that, perhaps we can find some way or other to help reduce some of the gaps that exist. So this weekend, and in our exploration this weekend, hopefully, we might, hopefully we'll try to find a balance, and an important balance, between the invaluable and indispensable inner work through meditation, through mindfulness, through silence, through stillness, through observation. Time to explore and be in touch with ourselves. A vital aspect, I would say, of renewal and revitalization. An opportunity, too, to reduce some of the tension and stress and pressure which we experience in our life, which I think easily triggers so much fear, anxiety, aggression, greed, and so forth. So the time, making time during the weekend to use some of these long-standing methods and techniques to reduce some of the stress and pressure and settle into our being, and harmonize and hopefully integrate that with sharing, with talking about our experiences, with talking about perhaps the kind of work that we are involved in, the kind of concerns that we have, and to be able to provide all of us with information and with understanding and a time for people to listen to each other in a way which I think we might say reflects a more global awareness. Not just the world of I and my. Not just the world of I and my. So, in a situation like this here, Wonderful to see, if I may say, uh, such a full retreat as a hundred or more people have come for the weekend. Some of you who are here will, it will be the first time that you've been to the centre here. And all of that I appreciate takes a little bit of adjustment and settling into. 
For those of you for whom it's the first time of being exposed to forms of meditation, we'll be giving plenty of meditation instruction and explanation so that as much as possible in the weekend that you are here, you will hear what is hopefully useful and valuable and formal meditation methods which can be so helpful in daily life situation. And also there will be small groups and Henrietta who is just sitting to um, on my left here will be facilitating a number of groups. Eric who has been assisting the last couple of years here with me and with Ruth and other teachers and teachers himself will also be uh, sitting on my right will also be facilitating other groups and we hope two other groups as well will be occurring and the group situation is a time and opportunity for people to meet together, to share experiences together and for you also to check in with us with regard to the time and hours that you are here. And with the both <coughs> the past and the present I think some of the guidelines still have as much value and usefulness as they ever did. One of these is what in the old Buddhist language was called taking of refuge, which I tend to um, reinterpret basically in terms of making commitments in life. And often, we, when we think of commitment, we think of commitments to work or commitment to a relationship. And of course, they're valuable commitments. But there are other commitments too, which may perhaps be even more significant in life. One of those commitments is a commitment to awakening. Commitment to awakening heart and mind into life. Another major commitment too is a commitment to teachings. Not just the kind and the form of teachings which take place here at IMS or with a particular teacher, but teachings which contribute to which one feels facilitate the process of awakening and liberation in life. And the third area which is a great area for commitment in life is a commitment to the company and solidarity with like-minded people. You see, it seems to me in, when people speak of oh my God, the problems of existence are so huge and have reached such gargantuan proportions, what can one do? I think that is the individual speaking from an individual perception. Very understandable one. And not surprisingly, despair and difficulty personally, socially, globally is so widespread. But what I notice in myself 
and what I notice with others, in talking with others, that that feeling of despair and pain and confusion, personally and globally, can be considerably dispelled through the sustained contact and support of like-minded people. When people locally act together and work together and explore together, it's remarkably empowering and therefore dispels a great deal of this pain of feelings of helplessness. And I think when we have a hundred people together, if we make a strong commitment over the weekend to work together through communication and through, and through the silence, I think it can be remarkably empowering. Remarkably invigorating. And it gives hope to all of us. With the weekend and the time being somewhat divided between periods of silence and periods of communication, tomorrow morning the day begins at 5.45 and I know some of you who have, uh, have travelled um, a little bit of a, a distance uh, today and number of you have come direct from work and will be already feeling quite tired and exhausted and the uh, uh, horizontal posture will be already immensely attractive and, uh, and it is for me as well as it's now 2.15 in the morning and um, with the day we start at 5.45 and the first 45 minute period of the day is for some uh, exercise period and then at 6.30 there is a meditation until 7.15 then the breakfast is at 7.15 tomorrow morning and then that's followed by a work period the work period is an important feature of the day for a couple of reasons. One is, we, whoever we are, we find ourselves engaged in some kind of work activity. Human being engaged in a relationship to the immediate environment and actively involved in it. And the work which you contribute in the centre is not only part of the inner work, but also in a very real and direct way contributes to the support of the centre. People coming and just and giving an hour of the day to work in a very practical way means others don't have to be employed to do the work. It helps to keep the daily rate here very low and as quite a few of you know here in the US what you pay for a weekend here doesn't even pay the deposit in some places. So there's this support system and each person, each one of you who come contribute to the uh, support and it's part of contacting the environment, serving the environment. 
Then following on from that, there's a period in the hall together which includes silent periods and it includes just some personal sharings of concerns either from experiences or some of you may wish to engage in a small reading together all of which we'll be speaking more about tomorrow also during the tomorrow there are a number of small group meetings in different rooms and we'll also be speaking to you about that so it's this striking of this balance here between the inner work, the meditation work, and the checking of you, with you, with regard to that, and saying this matters, it certainly matters human beings. As we must look at the condition of our consciousness, it's vital, it's urgent, and we need to be informed. And we need to be awakened to a greater sense which goes far beyond the pettiness of nationality, the pettiness of identity with a particular group or class or whatever it might be. We need to expand much further than that. And that needs to show itself spiritually, socially, politically, economically, etc., etc. So let's, while we're here for this weekend, that we're here together really give our whole heart and being to being right here, right now. Because this is where we are. Right here, right now, this is where life is. This is where we can find and explore what the truth is for us, right here, right now. So during the weekend, and this is from uh, this time onwards, we asked people right through until early um, on Sunday afternoon, the retreat actually comes to its conclusion at 3.30 on Sunday afternoon. Except in the small groups and the other times which we mentioned, we ask people to keep silence. This helps each person to be very much with themselves, very much connected with themselves, connected with the bare experiences of being on the earth. It might seem, particularly large group of people, it might seem very strange and odd to be keeping silent while there are so many people around with whom one could meet and talk. Of course there will be times in the small groups for you to meet and talk with people. But the silence too is rather an essential feature of the work. That keeping of silence gives real support to each person's process. We ask also for people during the weekend not to engage in reading. There are of course quite a number of books, quite interesting books in the library and we'll mention about books and things like that at the end of the weekend but we ask while here, just silence, just being, just listening and not adding to, to that if possible. 
so that the work is very much on the experiential level keeping faith and touch with that during the weekend there are a number of sittings, silent sittings there's guided meditations, there are instructions there'll be a talk this evening on early Sunday afternoon there's a closing talk dealing with the daily life situation there's a compassion meditation all of this also will be included in the flow of the weekend and just finally with you I'd just like just to take a couple of minutes with regard to the meditations themselves in the sitting meditation Firstly, of course, very simply, we are sitting on the earth. Here is our home, here we have our being. In the sitting on the earth, we turn our attention to breathing, mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of drawing in the air and releasing the air. And how invaluable it is to have reasonably pure air in this world to be able to breathe and to be in touch with the breathing experience from the moment that the air element enters into the nostrils it goes down into the lungs the organism, the human organism expanding with the in-breath contracting with the out-breath and using the breathing as a resource breathing in and breathing out. Each breath nourishes us, each breath feeds us, each breath sustains our existence. And just giving care and attention to breathing in and breathing out. Checking initially that the posture itself is reasonably straight and upright. Some sense of expansion in the chest, diaphragm, stomach area when sitting. It doesn't matter at all if you sit cross-legged, there's no special virtue in sitting cross-legged, whether you use one of the wooden stools or whether you sit on a chair. It's, that's your choice. You sit whatever way feels appropriate for you. We do recommend care and attention to the posture. Some sense of expansion, chest, diaphragm, stomach area, keeping the organism the cellular life reasonably open and expanded. It contributes, we would say, quite significantly to one's health. Spiritual, physical, emotional, psychological. Just a little bit more awareness with the body. During the day, of course, mealtimes, nutritious, lovely food is served by the staff here for all of us and the staff here act as quiet backgrounds, pillars of support for us to come in here for the weekend together and look into healing both inner healing and the healing of the earth and that responsibility rests with all of us because we are human May all beings 
live in peace. May all beings live in harmony. May all beings live in peace and harmony.